Hi, I'm Christian. Hi, I'm Jim. Hi, I'm Dan. Hi, I'm Hank. And this is the Football Musketeers. Hello, welcome back everyone to the Football Musketeers. Um, we've got none other than Liam Ridgewell with us this week. Thanks for joining us, Liam. No problem. My pleasure, my pleasure. Um, yeah, so we'll just we'll get straight into it with, um, you know, with the first question. So, what is, in your opinion, the ideal scenario on how the Prem slash EFL should play play out the rest of the season with obviously what's all going on? Do you think they should scrap it? No, no, I no, I think I think scrapping it would be a massive shame, certainly to the teams, um, you know, the likes of Liverpool who, who are you know waiting for this Premier League title for so many years, and a lot of hard work's gone behind the scenes. Same as sort of Leeds, you know, in the Championship and, and things like that. And, you know, I name a few clubs there, but I think for every team in the season, I, I get it that, you know, the, the teams that may be relegated obviously would, wouldn't would like the, the, the season to re- resolve. But, you know, that's what we've all went into when we, when we play and, and throughout the season. So I think the best, best outcome would, would to finish it. I do agree that obviously playing behind closed doors would be a big shame. But if that is the way we've got to go about it to save lives, to save the NHS and, and, and go that way, then that that is necessary uh, to be done. Yeah, definitely. I mean, my sort of own personal point, being a Charlton fan, we're in the relegation zone, so mm, yeah. them scrapping it. Yeah. And it'd be perfect for me. Cool. <laughs> I, I don't want to see us get relegated. Yeah, of course. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you know, one of my best pals is a West Ham fan. Obviously, you've got a few West Ham fans and, you know, they don't want to be entering into relegation and going down and things like that. But, you know, we've all, we all play the game and we all know what's at stake when we start the season. And, yeah. you know, this is a unprecedented sort of place we're in at the minute and something that, you know, people didn't forecast and, and it couldn't have been, you know, I say couldn't have been helped. I don't know the ins and outs of it at the hierarchy level, but, you know, something that we, we've not been able to help and we want to finish the season yeah, like I said, it's it's a disappointing to do it behind closed doors, but at least we get the season finished and people get the reap the rewards of it, and 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 we get football back because obviously everyone's missing it. Yeah, definitely. Liam, sorry, just try and get. It. I'm trying to understand how it would feel. Obviously, you haven't been in this position as a player before, but mm. can you sort of, or do you know anyone that's in this position now to give like some insight into how they're coping with that and how it is to be a footballer at the moment yeah obviously I've still got friends in the game that are playing and and you know they're, they're obviously finding it difficult you know I think it it's it's tough to have something sort of taken away from you that you do day in day out now obviously I've only just recently retired and, and obviously you know I decided to to give it up um and you know it's 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 not been easy obviously you wake up some days you need that routine and I think that's probably the biggest thing that footballers cope with and, and you know my friends are coping with at, at, at the minute is to have a routine down you know you wake up you know you normally go into training you have breakfast there so you wake up at home and you know you might have a few more lines that you that you you don't normally have and you sort of you get stuck out of a routine so I think that's probably the hardest part and and to be honest you know we all grow up wanting to play football and play on a Saturday and we all gear up for a three o'clock on a Saturday and, and that's probably a big test for a lot of the boys and um, that's probably the hardest parts of, of trying to get your head around it and that's certainly from speaking to my mates that's the, probably the two hardest parts of it really 
Yeah. Mm. Uh, I've been reading about giving time for players to get back to match fitness. And obviously that's going to generate a lag from the point in which um, we can start getting games played again, even if they're behind closed doors. Do you, how important do you think it is that we give them the time to get a match fit? And how long do you think they need? Because they're suggesting a month, I think. Yeah, I mean, that, that I think that was massively forgotten about when all the talks first started. I didn't hear too much about it. And it, it's good that you brought that point, point up. Whenever I've spoke to my mates that are not in the game and they're like, you know, we can re- they can return on the 20th and, you know, we'll play the next weekend. And I'm like, lads, it don't work like that. One, you've got to build your fitness up. It's not just going to come in a week. It's not going to come in two weeks. You, you've got to build your fitness up. Then they've got to bit, get a bit of match fitness uh, because the worst thing that could happen, certainly for clubs that don't have big squads, that the players come back, they have a bit of fitness, go into a game and you start getting injuries. Now, they could be key injuries that could really hamper them either going to relegation or going for Premier League or Champions League and things like that. So you, I, I, say, I say a month at minimum needs to happen. You think of a pre-season, that's probably, what, six, six to eight weeks maybe, I think it is, if I recall. So I think month at a minimum. And then you've got to try and, you've got to try and stick some 11-side games in there for the team. So it's going to be very interesting how they do it. Um, but I agree with you. I think month at the minimum is, is going to be definitely needed before they can start back playing the games. Yeah, and do you think it's realistic that they could play two or three games a week to try and get the season completed within a you know a couple of months? Uh, it's definitely realistic. Absolutely, I think you know the the players that are playing nowadays. You know that the fitness is 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 very very high. You know it's always been high, but you know the the boys are younger nowadays. You know the the fitness has come more into it. The the pro zone. You know the the sports science department of it. Um, they all help. You know, before where you were just playing games until you went, you know what, I'm feeling something, or just keep going. Nowadays, they can look at how much load you've done in your training session and bring you in and out accordingly to make sure that you're ready for a game on a Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday or Sunday. So I think it's definitely viable. Uh, they do already do that in the Championship. <laughs> so <laughs> so I think uh, I think certainly the Premier League boys can cope with it and they've got bigger squads. So absolutely. Yeah, nice. I mean... Touching on the Premier League, um, how do you feel VAR has been working in the Premier League? Do you think they should maybe take this time where they're having a break to sort of have a look at it? I mean, it's been a massive topic. topic yeah, range. absolutely. I, I, if, if they haven't, um, that's absolutely ridiculous. If they've not taken this time, this period, to be able to look back at things and, and try and um, help and, you know, I played with the VAR when it came in, or AR, uh, as they call it, I think it is, or whatever it is, where I had VAR in MLS, and went the first season they brought it in. And they had it that the ref was going over to see the screen. Now, I think that is absolutely crucial that the ref should go over there, because then it is his decision. You're not letting someone else from another, in a studio, wherever they're going to. One, you've got the time lapse. Two, you want the referee... In, on the day, in the game, making that so he can get the feel of the game and how the game's going and how the players are. You know, it might be a rough game. So you might let a few more things go. You know, th- these things come into it. That's where the referee should be going over to the screen and looking at it. And uh, uh, that's that's a massive thing that he should be doing. But do I like it? Not really. But 
<laughs> this, this, this is the way football's going and I, I get it in the sense of you know we're going to get decisions where it's going to be 50 million on the line 100 million on the line and and they need to be correct decisions and the referees do need that help but I do think the the referee should have that final decision and and, and it should be done like that way I, I always felt with VAR the Premier League has always been said to be the biggest league in the world. Yeah. They shouldn't have put it on the big stage straight away in the Prem. No. I believe they should have started lower down in say mm-hmm. League Two and League One. Yeah. So you can actually iron out these details. Yeah, yeah I totally agree. And I to be honest, I thought that's what the MLS was doing. I'm not gonna lie to you. I thought that's what it, we were doing in the MLS to start over there. Um, you know, uh, and and then um introduce it into the bit, the the bits, you know, the so-called bigger leagues, and and sadly, I don't, I don't know why they didn't look at what we did in the MLS, and and do it that way. I don't know whether they didn't think they were doing it right, or they just wanted to go and do it their own way, which is, you know, short-sighted to me. Um, but it's a shame they didn't. And I agree with you that, you know, they should have started lower down. But if you're playing in League Two and and League One, do you want to be a guinea pig? I wouldn't want to be a guinea pig. But yeah, you know, great that, point. <laughs> But that that is sadly the way of the world, and that's what we did in the MLS. And I think they should have learnt a lot from the MLS and how they how they started off. Look, even with the VAR, they still get decisions wrong. I remember remember the first season; there was still six, seven, eight decisions that the referee was getting wrong, or or the VAR was getting wrong. It 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 that that's where it doesn't work. You know, mm-hmm. it, there's no no reason for it. So it it's tough. There's always going to be critics, and we've always got to talk about it, but. If we're going to have it, it, it should have been sort of introduced a little bit better. And certainly, like you say, on the biggest stage in the world, it, it, we shouldn't have been having that many talking points over it, that's for sure. Definitely. I think I think the other thing is that it takes some of the integrity away from the referees who already find it quite challenging to like, get the respect from the players. If you're taking away some of their um, decision-making then I think it's going to potentially impact them as well. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. You know, the, the refs take enough stick. I wouldn't want to be a referee myself. I, I, feel, I feel bad for them most of the time. But when I was playing, I certainly didn't. And if I could get a decision off them or make them feel nice and do it that way, I would have, I did it. But it's a tough, a tough, a tough school. And if, if they're not even making the decision on that call, it's going to make it even harder for them and players will use that against them. So I, I totally agree with you there. Yeah, just being being undermined constantly, isn't they? Yeah. And just on that point, Liam, so I think we were going to ask you some questions around what it's like to play football in the MLS versus in, in the Premier English football. Yeah. But, I mean, do the referees get any more or less respect over in the US? Um, I, I, I think they probably get a little bit less respect. I think, you know, the... They have a lot more crowding around the referees. Um, now, the referees over there, they haven't been going you know, professionally as long as we have in the Premier League. So that obviously makes it tougher for them. When I first went there, um, for example, I played in the game and I was talking to the ref, <laughs> slash having a go at him. And, um, you know, he says, oh, well, you know, this isn't my full-time job. So, you know, you know this is, you're making it hard for me. And I was like, I was sort of blown away by that. You know, obviously I've been used to referees and, and full-time jobs. So, you know, it, it, that, that, was, that was a bit crazy. But, you know, they're, they're, they're learning on the job and, and they're tr- trying to do their best. So they do get a bit more stick over there. 
but they don't get as much stick from the media as they do here. So, you know, it probably probably helps them out a little bit. I mean, it's staying on the sort of MLS uh, topic, mm. how did you find it sort of compared to playing in England? Like, mm. you know, um, what are the fans like as well as sort of, is the coaching different as well? Like, there's a few things, I think, with the MLS. Yeah, the, the fans, The fa- I mean, I played in Portland, so I was very, very lucky. We had, um, we were sold out 20, 24 and a half thousand every single week. And the good thing about in the MLS and what I experienced at Portland, my first game uh, that I watched, they played against Dallas and they were 2-0 down at half time. Now, I'd put the question to most fans, what would they be doing when the fans would come off the pitch? Say West Ham were playing at home, they were losing 2-0 at home and uh, against Newcastle, what would they be doing when they come off the pitch? I mean, you couldn't probably, probably couldn't even use that many swear words on what they'd be saying to the players. Now there, <laughs> yeah. what I experienced was they were they were cheering, they were they were standing up, they were applauding them. Now, growing up, I wouldn't have done that. You know, I would have, I would have been doing the same. I would have been like, what are these lot doing? You know, uh, yeah. so I, I get it, but. They come out, the Timbers come out the second half, one and then one four two. Now, that's the flip side of it. They 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 want they go there to entertain the players, the fans in MLS, where the fans here go to the games to wait to be entertained. Now I, I understand both sides of it. You should be entertained when you go to football. But if you want to go to football, you're paying money to go there. Go and enjoy yourself. Go and have a smile on your face. Go and have a beer. Go and have a cup of coffee. Yeah. Go and enjoy yourself. Have a smile. If you sing louder and you are louder than the away fans, I'm telling you now that home team, that team will perform a lot better because the players will, will thrive off it. So that was the one massive thing in, in Portland I experienced that week in, week out at home, we were sold out. Obviously, the away fans couldn't bring a lot of fans. So all you heard is Timbers songs. And that was for 90 plus minutes throughout the game. And it, it was amazing. Um, so that, that was a, a big plus. Obviously, Going from the Premier League to there, yes, of course it was slower. Um, of course, the the standard wasn't as high as the, the world class players in the Premier League because um, they've been at it a lot longer. But you had sort of glimpses. You know, me playing centre half, I played up against a world class striker every single week, Ibrahimovic. You know, um, yeah. You know, for uh, Robbie Keane. You know, Jermaine Defoe, and obviously I experienced a few of them in in the Premier League, but against in MLS, you still had to have your wits about you to to know what they were doing. So you still had to be on the ball. Obviously, it wasn't the same standard, but you still had to be on the ball, which was which 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 made it you know exciting and and very worthwhile. Touching on uh, the timber still, what was mm. it like? Because um, I know they're quite they've got that famous celebration where the lumberjack yeah. cuts the wood. What was that? Yeah. What was that like <laughs> seeing that for the first time up close? Yeah, I mean, like I go back to that first game at Dallas. I was sitting in the in the box with uh, Merrick Paulson, the owner, and Gavin Wilkinson, the the GM, who brought me to the club along with the manager. And I was sitting there, and you couldn't see the fans below me. Anyway, I could hear this noise, and I thought, "What the heck is that noise?" I'm thinking, "Christ, like, is a, is a fan falling down? What is going on here?" And Merrick, I'd not seen anything before. I didn't even hear a Portland before. But anyway, Merrick, you know, the owner's gone. That's Timber Joey with his chainsaw. And I'm like, sorry? What do you mean he's got a chainsaw? <laughs> anyway, I've leant over and he's walking through the through the crowd and through the stands with a chainsaw. And I went for, straight away, I thought, Christ, that's a health hazard. You know, uh, at home, you know, you, you could be sued for millions of pounds. You know, like you fall over or trip over. That would have been horrendous. But 
you know, it was it was quality. And, and it, do you know what? It was something iconic that stood with the Timbers and, and stood with, you know, stood with the team. And, and our reference to West Ham, obviously, blowing bubbles and they do that at the start. And, you know, it, that's something that the Portland Timbers have. And, you know, a lot of people, obviously, I found it funny the first time of hearing it and seeing it. But you get a log as a slice at the end. You know, it's amazing. And something you can have, I made one into a table. So it's, it's something that, you know, okay. stuck with me throughout, throughout being there. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's good. That I mean, is the is the does the coaching differ mm. compared to the Premier League? Uh, do you know what? Not not really. Obviously, they they go through the same UEFA B um, as we do here. Um, it's just uh, it's just a USB or, or equivalent. So they go to, oh, okay. so through the same sort of uh, training patterns. And when you get there, is I you know we had an English coach there, um, Sean who used to be at United as a kid and, and grow up playing in England. So we had sort of a lot of lot of uh, training sessions that are like, uh, you know, playing at home. The one big difference I think uh, you, you'd probably know straight away is probably the tempo of it is, a, is, is slower than what you'd be used to in the Premier League. And now that's obvious because it's, you've got the players in the Premier League of, you know, world-class stars and, and it's bop, 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 bop. You know, it's, it's a little bit slower and the, the tempo is not as high, but, you know, as they say, the drills and the training sessions, they're all pattern of plays. You know, they're all keep ball squares, all larger keep ball squares. It's all sort of the similar same stuff. So it doesn't differ that much. It's just probably the tempo of it. Oh, fair enough. Mm. I mean, um, you touched upon when you well, when you received um, the bit of the log for the first time, saying, you know, how much you appreciated it. Yeah. Touching kind of upon that, what would you say is a career highlight for yourself? Um, you know, we've got down uh, the League Cup win with Birmingham, yeah. the MLS All-Star team in 2014. Mm. What would you say is your career highlight? It, and, and I mean, the, 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 it's so hard to choose my career. You know, the career highlights are obviously the League Cup win for, for Birmingham and uh, and winning the MLS Cup for, with Portland. Um, two, they two, they're so hard to pick from because of, Birmingham, they no one gives us a chance. We were such an underdog, and I had that at the Timbers. You know, they were just about scraping to playoffs at the Tim, Timbers and and wanting just to get in. So to be able to take a team and and turn it around and make sure that they go and win it and sort of put the name on the map was that was absolutely massive. And that was similar to Birmingham. Obviously, they're, they're a big club, but you know, no one gives a chance against Arsenal. So them two are a right bang on top of each other, and it's tough to. If a Birmingham fan was asking me, I would say it's the League Cup win. If a Timbers fan was asking me, I'd say the MLS Cup <laughs> win. So, Fair enough. It's very, very hard to Makes choose sense. from the both. Yeah. Oh, nice. So, so, Liam, just thinking about what's next with regards to your career, um, mm. I think I've heard that you want to get into management. The question I was going to ask, and one that I'm particularly interested in, would you take a job now if you were offered one or would you prefer to go in as a number two and then potentially become a number one after getting a little bit more uh, experience in working in the management kind of field? I would prefer to take a number two job, um, you know, talking to friends in the game, you know, um, Sam Saunders who's doing the Brentford B team at me, John Terry at, at Villa, um, you know, two people I've spoke to a lot about it. And, you know, they've gave me tips, you know, not, not taking a job straight away. You, you want to sort of learn before you jump in. And, and 
the big thing for me is I wouldn't want to jump into a job and then I, I don't think of failing, but you know things could not go your way and it could sort of scar you uh, and and hurt you and hamper you going forward. And and some I'd like to learn, go in and learn from from people and sort of sort of start my YTS again and, and learn and and go through that way. So I, I'd say take a num tum, number two job. But if someone come and offered me the manager's job, I'd pretty be very hard to turn down. So I'm that type of guy. If someone offered it to me and I'd I'd jump, I'd pr I'd probably jump at the chance and go, Do you know what? I'll prove people wrong. But my my initial thoughts right now is, is to take a number two spot and learn learn on my way up. Makes sense, doesn't it? I'm I'm very yeah. supportive of that route because mm. you know, I work in the banking sector and you don't mm. you don't just jump into a job that you haven't got any kind no. of experience in. Of course, I suppose it applies there as well. Yeah, I think it, like you say, I think it applies sort of every walk of life. You know, there's no one wants to sort of jump into something or sort certainly be thrown at the deep end and and sort of question what they're doing. They want to learn, learn. You know, you want to learn from your mistakes and you want to learn from your mistakes with either younger players or or somewhere that it's not going to really cost you. And that that's where my main focus really is. But like I say. I've never been one for turning things down and, and not facing a challenge. So, if someone did, did offer me something, I'd I'd probably jump in at it. But like I say, it'd be be, be learn not learning on the job. That's for sure. <laughs> for this week, for you, Liam, we've got some goal scoring defenders. So you're going to be taking on Howard uh, in a penalty shoot for, format, higher or lower, and uh, yeah, two wins. Love it. Cool. So we're going to start with you, Liam. Uh, so I've got down 28 goals, career goals to date. Has Rio Ferdinand scored more or less? Ooh, wow. Absolute goal-scoring defender as well. Um, uh, 28 career goals. I'm going to go. I'm going to go lower. It is lower. Yeah. It's surprising. <laughs> this. I actually checked. I checked this statistic. A lot of times because it's only twelve goals, and uh, yeah. yeah, I checked that a few times. So yeah, it was, it, a bit it was sort of a ball playing centre half, but scored goals at certain certain times that you remember. Iconic goals. I was obviously I grew up loving him, so they're iconic goals. But I don't remember him scoring a hat, low hatful like. Yeah, great player. Yeah. Uh, right, H. So you got twelve goals with Rio. Uh, has William Gallas scored more or less? Ah, William Gallas. So <clears throat> I remember he went through a phase of scoring quite a few goals at Arsenal and Chelsea, but it was alongside John Terry. So would he have gone up for corners? I'm going to go. I'm going to go more. Yep, thirty six. Cool. Cool. Blimey. Oh, a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. A bit of a goal machine. <laughs> cool. So that's one apiece. You got Gallas oh. with thirty six. Did Tony Adams score more or less? Less. Yeah, it was less. Twenty-one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember his mazy run at the end with his left foot. That's yeah. Right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> it's worth twenty-one. Just that. It one. was. You're not wrong, by the way. Um, sure. <laughs> back to you, H. Um, twenty-one with Tony Adams. Did Wes or has Wes Morgan scored more or less? Wes Morgan. He's a bit of a lump, isn't he? Um, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say that to his face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bloody. <laughs> Not brave. 
I don't recall him scoring many at Leicester. Um, was he at Forest before? I'm yeah, going to go. Yeah, Leicester. he was. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go less. I don't think he's, he scored many goals. Oh, it was more. Twenty-seven. Uh, Six wow. more. Cool. Surprise. Yeah. Here's a trivia question. I'm going to use this on the quiz night. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) I'll send it over over to you. Yeah, love it. Uh, So, Wes Morgan, 27. Liam did, or has, sorry, Trent Alexander-Arnold scored more or less? Got got to be less than 27. Yeah. Yeah, it's 10 at the moment. He may score more, but not yet. It's a good return. It's a good return, yeah. Good plan, right, back to you, H. You got ten. Curtis Davis, more or less. So just Christian, I think this is a little bit unfair. I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for that. I was waiting for it. <laughs> yeah. Alexander Arnold's only about fifteen, isn't he? So <laughs> he meant youth team as well, though. Right. <laughs> Curtis Davis. So what got, be, got to be kind. He's he's quite old now, and he? he's played quite a few clubs. Um, it's good in the air, so I'm going to go more than ten. Yeah, more. Yeah, twenty-seven. Yeah, you get. There you go. It's not all bad for you. <laughs> <laughs> Did you mean it was unfair on me because you got Curtis Davis after Trent Alexander? I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to get one wrong. Liam, I've got a chance. <laughs> it could be this one. It's a tie on this one. So that, just a yeah. heads up. Uh, so you got Curtis Davis, twenty-seven. Has Vincent Company scored more or less? Less. There you go, H. It was wrong. Thirty-one. Oh, oh. just okay. more. Just. Wow. IDL. <laughs> <laughs> didn't realise he had that many in his locker. Sure, I know he scored a few edits and that that one, but I didn't realise he had that many in his locker. Sure. <laughs> yeah, he's hit him away. Uh, right to equalise H. Thirty-one with Company. As Vidic or did Vidic score more or less? I don't remember him being prolific. I think he had a little spurt at United, but then again, where did he play before? Did he play at any point in the Mickey Mouse League? Um, what was the number again, Christian? Uh, company thirty-one. I'm going to go less. I'm going to go less. Yeah, less by three. Twenty-eight. Cool. Tight. Excellent. All right. So now we've it's four apiece, last one each. Twenty-eight with Vidic. Uh Liam has Ashley Scott Ashley Skull? Ashley Cole scored more or less. <laughs> more more or less than twenty-eight, did you say? Yes, yeah. Less than twenty-eight. He's not even into double figures, is he? Yes, yeah, twenty. He was a roaming. Yeah, he was roaming. Yeah, that's decent. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't even realise right. twenty he got twenty. Cool. Yeah, a decent little number that. Mm. So, H, no pressure, but if you get this wrong, you've lost. Um, <laughs> right. So, you've got 20 with, Ashley, <laughs> 20 with Ashley Cole. Robert Hoof, more or less. Oh. The Hoof, the mountain. Beast, um, the beast. Absolute beast. So, he was at Chelsea for a period, wasn't he? I like the way I go through like the whole history. <laughs> um, still, still getting wrong as well because you're reading it off Google on your phone that's why <laughs> that's why we don't do it on Zoom um, tw- I'm going to go I'm going to go less congratulations Liam it was more 
love it. He had time at Stoke as well, didn't he? Cool. Yeah, he had 28 oh. goals in total. Decent, that. Cool. Yeah. Well, well, there you go. Congratulations, Liam. Thank you very much. Oh, what do I just get an award in the post, or we'll just wait for I'll it? I'll tell you. Yeah, we'll send, we'll, we'll send a we'll, uh, we'll send a cut up tree for you, mate. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I love table, it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what would you prefer, scoring a goal or keeping a clean sheet? Keep the clean sheet. Yeah, easy. <laughs> no brainer. Really. I love scoring a goal, but keeping a clean sheet was tremendous. What's the weirdest pre-match ritual that you've witnessed with a teammate? Oh, pre-match ritual? Oh, that I've witnessed. Oh, my God. Well, David Ginola used to cut his nails. He, used, he cut his nails before he went out before reserve game So and didn't do the warm-ups. That's probably he might have been... I don't know if that was a ritual, but it's tremendous. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose it counts. Yeah. Um, funniest play you've ever played with? Funniest play I've ever played with... Um, Craig Gardner was a good laugh. It was always good to be around. Cool. And toughest player you played against? Toughest player? Well, toughest player. The, the, uh, the two I was most scared of in my career was Bupa Diop. Um, I came through him with, a, I mean, I say my knee, but it was studs on the back as I headed the ball. Um, he went down to the floor, didn't think he was going to get up and turn. And as he turned, got up and went, I will kill you. <laughs> um, I'll see you in the tunnel, and I thought, "Oh no, you need to hang. You need to, you need to hang back a bit off that one." So that was one, and the second one was Roy Keane after I headbutted Ronaldo in the cock in the corner of Old Trafford. Roy Keane shouted and hollered at me, and uh, another one I stayed away from in that game. So two that I've, the only two that I've really been sort of worried about in my yeah. in my days. <laughs> I used to, I used to like watching the play. Yeah, um, I agree with you. He was a he was an absolute general. He could, he could, do, he could do a lot. He was good, but yeah, he, he scared me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so, who do you think currently is well? Currently, based on the last, you know, last season, the best striker in the world. Cool, the best striker in the world uh, on current at the right at the minute. Yeah. Best in the world that I like. I mean, I, I'd, I'd say, I'd say Lukaku. Obviously, playing with West Brom, um, yeah. he scored 17 goals that season, I think it was, and propelled us up the league. Um, you know, I had a tough time at United, but obviously he's gone and gone to Inter and sort of done it there. So him, he, I'd say probably him. Obviously, that young boy's what's his name is very in demand at the minute. Who was it? Bruce Dortmund bought or um, yeah, yeah. So I think he's one to watch out for. I think that's the two biggest mistakes Man United made, letting Lukaku go and not buying Haaland. So yeah, I agreed. I think you know, Lukaku is such a difficult one. Obviously, you know, he's such a hustle and bustler and sort of you know that that sort of main striker centre forward. Did he, I think they were looking for a Didier Drogba out of him? Maybe yeah. I don't think he's got that mentality as, as Drogba had. Um, but I agree with you. If they were letting him go, they should have brought. Is it Haaland? Yeah. 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 Yeah.
And I've also been to Carlisle on a Tuesday night with Jules losing 1-0. But yeah. what would be your toughest away day? What's been your toughest away day? My toughest away day was we played Doncaster away, not the Doncaster Stadium they're in now, the one before. It was an, I think it was an FA Cup tie, Aston Villa, um, very early in my career. Uh, we played away and that, that was sort of the days where Villicate getting knocked out of the cup and it was always like a massive scalp. We played away and all of us couldn't fit in a changing room at one time. We had to get changed six and sevens. Um, it was just a horrible place to go. So it was Doncaster. I can't remember the, the stadium now, but the pitch wasn't great. Obviously, obviously you can imagine you know, they, they didn't play attractive football, which you can imagine they, they stuck it right on us, which we didn't live up to. So uh, we deserve what we got. Yeah, those old grounds were horrid, weren't they? Oh, yeah, yeah, crazy. I mean, you talk of Brentford, you know, that, this change, that change room compared to that Doncaster one was ma- massive. And, Don- <laughs> and Brentford's one's tiny. So yeah. <laughs> it was it was, it was was a wake-up call. Obviously, playing in reserves, you used to go to certain grounds like Berry and stuff like that. But with the first team, it was sort of a, oh, my God, you know, you're in it now, you're in it now, Ridge. And then we, we didn't perform well. So that was a, a blip. <laughs> Yeah, cool. Um, so just putting put the place flipping on its head. What's the best ground you play at? Um, Old Trafford. Um, mm. I, you know, obviously Wembley, obviously is a massive one. You know that that one to me uh, is a given. But growing up, obviously United were the team that you know were won everything. They were sort of the best team um, around, and one that I look forward to going and playing in. So um, you know, I've played played at some great stadiums like you know Anfield and. Even playing at Atlanta a couple of seasons ago at their stadium was was absolutely crazy. But I'd, I'd have to say Old Trafford. Okay, and then the last question for me was: um, When do you predict predict that we'll next have international glory? <laughs> cool, that is, that is good going. Cool, what a question. Um, <laughs> no pressure. Yeah, I know that that is tough going. Um, <laughs> I'd like to say it'd be be the next next competition, but as much as I want to believe it, I don't think it will happen. So I think I'd say it would probably more. Oh, so it's the Euros next, and you've got the World Cup. Cool. The the tough one for me is is once Kane goes, the next centre forward that comes into play. Mm-hmm. Um, which I'd, I, I'm, I'm not so sure who will take over his role at the minute. Until that, I'm going to say not not this Euros, not the World Cup, the Euros after. Yeah, yeah, that's fair yeah. enough. I think some of our youngsters will then be really matured and. Yeah, they'd have had a Euros, they've had a World Cup, and it, yeah. we would have had a, an emerging centre forward talent, another sort of Harry Kane. But I think, yeah. I'd say yeah. the next Euros after one. <laughs> I'd say the next Euros whenever this Euros is done and uh, we get to play the next one. <laughs> yeah, I think the, true. I think it'll be difficult in Qatar, isn't it? Or yeah, I think it, it's it going and playing in heat like I've done. You know, it, it's it's horrendous. You know, I played yeah. in DC in in similar heat, and it's. I mean, we used to go to Dubai on a winter training camp. And that was still hot. That was still horrendous. So I can't think of what it's going to be like in the summer (laughs) playing against world-class teams. So that's not going to be enjoyable. Yeah, I wouldn't fancy that. (laughs) (laughs) 
I just wanted to say on behalf of the, the lads, thanks for your time today. It's been really interesting getting a bit of an insight into what it's like in the MLS and a little bit more about your career. Oh, yeah, no, 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 my pleasure. Thanks for reaching out. And um, I'm, I'm glad I'm able to, you know, give a little insight to people that may not know certain things. And I appreciate you having me on. So thank you very much. Well, thank you for listening, everyone, to another episode of the Football Musketeers. That was Liam Ridgewell. I just want to say thank you for Mr. Liam Ridgewell himself for coming on. Um, you know what to do, like, share, um, all the usual stuff, any topics, get in touch. Once again, thank you very much.